0: chapter 17 of the death of society a novel of tomorrow by romer wilson the recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter 17 directly he had assured himself that the old man was asleep smith rose and went quietly out of the room he did not wish to retire to rest indeed he could not have slept for a glorious madness and a wild excitement urged him rather to go out into some place apart and dance and sing and shout under the stars he made his way to the front door opened it and looked at the night rain no longer fell and beyond thin shifting clouds the stars shone clear in the dark sky stealthily like a departing lover he slipped out of the house and laughed softly the moon was not yet up the forest stood around him black and impassable a cloud of hell-black ghosts come to watch the poetical ravings of their earthly days no doubt to laugh with soundless laughter and whisper as the wind passed by such fools were we such fools were we but smith was a stately man and neither danced nor sang to orpheus ghostly lyre though the song he heard would have drawn a thousand eurydices from the pit he sighed and walked about the alleyways and saw neither stars nor trees nor mountains presently he came to the pavilion which reflected the bright stars in its windows it was no longer a wooden summer-house but an ebony palace with doors of sapphire and diamond set under a tent sewn with multicolored jewels and guarded by the dark hosts of night the young man opened one of the jewelled doors entered and having thrown himself down upon a divan covered with cushions gave himself over entirely to those passionate thoughts which absence alone brings to love. Rosa loved him. Rosa Christiansen loved him. He believed the incredible. Out of the incredible came the impossible, and he was transformed into two instead of one, into a whole instead of a part. Life began in a new world of unheard-of beauty, where there was no sequence and no time, divided from the world round about by the blue sky of his will which like an immeasurable sphere of glass hung in the middle of creation here were practised all those principles admired by human beings as idealistic and out of the range of common possibility i will and thou shalt went up in one burnt offering to truth upon an altar in a grove of cedars yet rosa and himself protested as the blue smoke rose high above the mountains my lord my liege lady until they were tired of futile attempts to prove the half greater than the whole. The felicitous argument came to an end, and the slaves of one another discovered that in those climes one and one do not make two but infinity, and found that man by himself is only half God's image. He laughed. Ingman was dead, surely, and his daughters married. Rosa and himself, possessors of a paradise, disguised themselves as mortals and submitted to common life how they glorified the ways of men and what a thing they made of daily existence he worked for her as men work and they took pleasure in hard-earned money as if they owned neither golden skies nor stars of emeralds and rubies their conversation consisted of a complete harmony of wit and intimacy which excluded no topic and no emotion no sublimity and no vulgarity no rarity and no commonplace Their thought was democratic, and embraced as equal every thought and sensation of which wise men and fools are capable. Most glorious of all external conditions, they were able to communicate without words, and to give each other to understand by mere presence how cool and pure and sane their mutual love unalterably remained. His dreams broke, his divine fantasies melted away, and he found himself a man again. Yes, Rosa Ingman loved him, and for that certainty he would give a million years of visions. He was a common man of flesh and blood, and felt glad that his feet were on the earth, his head not among the clouds. He was also a proud man. He had held Rosa Ingman in his arms and kissed her, and the recollection of it made him prouder. Thank God, he thought, I am brave, and he felt very strong and full of force. He had no doubt about his love for her, and not the slightest hesitation in his determination to identify himself with her if it were possible. He knew that he loved her as surely as he knew that he existed, and that by the mysterious laws of attraction he and she were most certainly united. This unity had the perfect symmetry of an arc. It stood above his life like a pure rainbow, and as yet it was only chimerical, with no more substance than a rainbow, with no less actuality. Indeed, Rosa Ingman loved him and the joy she gave him coincided exactly with his pre-knowledge of the ideal. He could ask nothing more of fate except to consummate that love. Man was a noble creature, man was God, but also beast. Unity of spirit was a lovely thing, but between men and women an incomplete completion. Men walked down here in the grass of the field and lived by the fruit of the earth, and being men, their godly ravings and ecstatic dreams were vaporous and foolish if they did not derive direct from human life, were mere madmen's wanderings and Cassandra cries, which nobody heeded. Oh, Rosa, he cried, and passion and the hot storms of desire swept over him. Rosa, Rosa, he cried again, and threw himself about and groaned deep in his heart. I am only a man, Rosa, and an animal, Rosa. I am proud of it oh god rosa i am proud i'll show you my pride and my strength and my beauty he fell still again and quietness and peace came over his soul and simple gaiety took possession of his heart yes i am a man thank god he repeated and now i do not care for anything but to have you rosa he laughed and i shall get you by god i shall after that i shall be able to live he remembered old Ingman and the very idea of the old man made him laugh again Ingman was a dream of the past a mere anachronism everything was an anachronism but himself and rosa the force of his passion shook him again and he recognized that he was happy all force was joyful and though it might break to war and terror and cataclysm in the onrush of its forward movement arising from the primal impulse of creation He knew that force alone was good, alone, pure, alone, perfectly calm and sure. Without it, there could be no stability and no instability, which are the same as knowledge and progress. He felt, I am, I am what I am, and life seemed no longer a frail vanity under the shadow of wrath. His love became full of human tenderness, and he remembered Rosa Ingman's tears with delight. Her tears... He thought the very salt of her eyes a sweet concession of her weakness. Oh, wonderful! She had surrendered herself to him. She had given him her tears and sorrows. Greater gifts than strength at any time. Concession of the innermost. Such thoughts poured from his heart, and the recollection of the brief moments of association with her came back to him. He had stroked her dear head. He could remember how strong his hands felt upon the softness of her hair he thought he was with her again and that they knew one another very well and were very familiar with each other's habits and failings he seemed to have been kind and even forbearing and her failings if she had any were unutterably dear to him again he offered her his will to the last extent of his power her will alone could send him voluntarily away or make him turn his eyes from her or cause his mouth to cease to utter his thoughts she was all his he owned her from beginning to end and therefore no wish of hers that he could gratify must go unpreconceived by him he felt ennobled in every limb and nerve and thought if he failed how kind she would be and how she would hide his shame from himself and pretend until he recovered that he was still the same strong man as in women the human race has its continuance so his hope and courage would have continuance in her and no matter for how long he lost heart she would hold his faith till he was able to take it again and become again the lawgiver, making laws for her according to her unexpressed desire the despotic ruler of a world whose wishes alone inspired his commands rosa would cheat him into the belief that he was sole master of their fate but he knew well enough that tyranny comes from the devil and that himself though lord of all creation could not expect to hold his empire by the capricious will of his own ignorance presently he got up and thought he would go to bed but he recollected that the family supposing him to be in his room would have locked up the house what of that the summer-house was comfortable and he had often slept on chairs and tables and floors before he went and stood at the open window and looked out he thought he had been asleep and had dreamt a great many things things perhaps which would have no counterpart in life. He stroked his head and considered, and after a little while, as he found no solution of his thought, shut the window, turned and threw himself down again to sleep. As he lay still waiting for sleep, his mind cleared, and entranced with joy he realized the truth. Whereas before nothing had been as fine as in the imagination henceforth imagination was to be but the foreshadowing of a marvellous reality End of chapter seventeen recording by expatriate in bangor maine